Thank you so much to our worship team. Let's give it up for our worship team. What a party. What a party we are having in the house of God today. Thank you so much, Lars and Liz and all the guys. I loved that. You know, when I was growing up in my household, uh, my mom said, you know, while everyone else calls this day Halloween, we as a family and as a church, we call this Hallelujah Day. Because there ain't no other day like today to lift high and propagate the praises of Jesus. And so happy Hallelujah Day to all of you and all of you that are watching online. Hallelujah. So we're going to have um, a bit of a chat today, aren't we, Mike? And um, it is really hard for it to escape your attention um, that today is Halloween. That is celebrated by so many. Um, it's not celebrated by everyone, not just not celebrated by Christians, but... We thought, because it's literally in our face, can't go to Tesco without seeing someone with horns on their head. Um, it, you're so faced with it. I thought as a church, you know, we might not do this every year, but every once in a while, we might have to have a bit of a conversation about it. It's a conversation we have to have with our children um, on a regular basis. And um, it doesn't just cut it in our house to say, well, we don't do this, no do's and don'ts. We have to give explanation. We have to have conversation. Otherwise, they just kind of grow up going, well, I don't know why I do this and do that. And, you know, even... For myself as an adult, I have to constantly, on a regular basis, revisit why is it I believe what I believe? Why is it I do some of the practices that I do? And I think that's a really healthy thing to do. So we're just putting an appeal out to you as a family today. And if you're watching online, please don't be offended that we've got pumpkins on the screen, that we've got the words Halloween. Don't be offended if you celebrate Halloween and we've crossed out some of your word there. We just thought this would be something in a safe environment as a family that we could explore and have a conversation about. Uh, we're going to chat but might might break out into preaching in some parts and that's absolutely fine you have freedom to do so fantastic I think as Becky said it's always a little bit of a contentious time of year isn't it now uh, I've said before I am a church kid through and through so even as a fetus I was going to church I think I was two days old when I first walked through the doors out of the womb into church. So my whole life has been around church. My granddad was a minister. My dad was an elder in my church. And growing up in the 90s and the noughties as a kid in Sunday school and youth group, I found it really difficult. Now, I know for my dad in the 60s, it was all about the cinema. And there's a famous line like, what if Jesus came back and you were in the cinema? Or what if you walk outside the church and you get hit by a bus? I don't know why it's always a bus outside the church, but apparently, you, you know, you've always got to keep on guard, especially on Castle Street as you're walking out. But for me, it was a little bit different in the 90s and noughties. And um, actually, it's, maybe this will be a bit like group therapy because I had some issues in church. It seemed that every single thing that I wanted to do as a kid was evil. Everything. I remember one particular Sunday, I was sat at the back of our church. We had a guest speaker in that day. I was sat at my youth group, group friends. I was probably 10 or 11, and we were playing with Pokemon cards. Remember Pokemon cards? And we were trading them. We were trying to like, rip each other off and get the best, best Pokemon cards. Uh, and as we were doing that, the guest speaker started to talk about how evil Pokemon was. And I could feel, I was listening to the speaker, I could feel my granddad and my mum stare on the back of my head. And I could hear the mutterings in the pews. And I remember a meeting was called after church with the parents to decide whether we were allowed to have Pokemon cards. And it didn't just stop at Pokemon cards. The following year or the year after, it was Tamagotchis. Do you remember Tamagotchis? Tamagotchis were evil, did you know? And then it was pogs and pogs were evil and yo-yos were evil. Now, as I said, I grew up in the church and I think my parents did the best they could, but they weren't always great at explaining things. 
And actually, when I look back, I was a typical 90s Christian. Let me show you a family portrait. There couldn't be a more Christian-looking family. Check this out. See if it'll come up. Will you flip over for me there? There we go. We look like a missionary family, don't we? (laughs) It's either a missionary family or, you know, in a horror film where the little girl goes up in the attic and finds the old photo album of the family that's haunting it. This was my family. And, and, you know, as I said, my mum and dad were amazing and they're still amazing. We went through all the seasons, Pokemon, Tamagotchis, Harry Potter. We had all the big debates. Even, can you believe it, even Furbies were evil, according to my Sunday school teacher. Everything just seemed to be evil and it got my back up a little bit and I didn't understand it because when all my friends were doing these things at school and at at the youth groups I did in the community, I always felt like a little bit of an outsider. And of course, what happens when you tell a child not to do something? The very first thing they want to do is do that exact thing. However, when it came to Halloween, it was the one thing I didn't have a problem not celebrating because I, even as a 10, 11, 12-year-old, I understood that celebrating things, dressing up as witches and wizards and murderers and zombies, I just couldn't compute how that was good because all year we were told to stay away from the bad stuff, uh, stay away from this, stay away from that, you know, don't celebrate the paranormal or the supernatural. And then this one day of the year, everything seemed to turn around and And for me, particularly now as a parent growing up, I wouldn't let my six and seven-year-old watch The Exorcist or watch these horror films, paranormal activity, yet we go into school and we go into Tesco and all these things, this one day of the year, is celebrated. Now, as Becky said right at the beginning, your conviction may be absolutely opposite to ours and that is absolutely fine. What we don't want to do today is prescript something that you have to do. We can only talk from our experience. Becky, you again were a 90s and noughties kid. Uh, did you have any traumatic experiences? No, I, I, think, I think for all parents of that generation, it was really hard. I mean, I think like our parents did a really good job um, with this stuff. But I think it was almost not just a, a parental thing. It was like almost a church culture, whereas this is wrong, this is right. And it was quite straight down the line. And um, I, I just think... Um, there's a season where we're exploring more, we're giving more permission for people to ask questions. And our children, I mean, my, my kids ask a lot of questions and that if they don't get something, they'll be like, why? But why? And it's, I think it's really good and I think it's something to encourage. Um, so I, I don't think this is in no way trying to knock the previous generation of how they did things. Um, and some people did them completely different. But as Mike said... There is no scripture in the Bible that said, thy shall not celebrate Halloween. Thy shall not go out trick-or-treating. So this is something that has to be a personal conviction for how you in your household, you know, with prayer and with seeking God, how you want to approach the season. So today we're just going to explore some scriptures and some stuff around it and give you just some of our personal experiences just to help, but this is in no way a... Prescription. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it is something we're always asked about, particularly as pastors. Yeah. What do you? We've had a couple of messages this week actually on our church social media accounts asking if we celebrate Halloween. So, what I think would be really good to do is, is start by asking what Halloween is. What yes. is it? Uh, because, really, as Becky said, it wasn't around in the Bible times, particularly not as it is today. D- done today not with trick or treating. But, yeah. but where did it come from? Well, actually, it's pre-Christian. The root of Halloween was from a Celtic festival called Sowin, and it's spelt Samhain, and it's pronounced Sowin. And it particularly originated in Scotland, in Ireland, in Wales. And what it was uh, meant to be, October 31st into November 1st, was the marking of the end of a season, the summer and spring season, going into the darker part of the year. And what the Celts would do, they would make these huge big bonfires and they would celebrate the closing of summer in spring. 
However, at this time of year, they understood the, the, uh, the veil between the dead and the living to be extremely thin. So there's two realms. There's a physical realm and there's a spiritual realm. We don't often talk about it in church nowadays, particularly in the West. But as Christians, we believe that the spiritual realm is really real. And actually, the Celts believed the spiritual realm was really real, real as well. And for three days from October 31st, they believed that this veil was exceptionally thin and that the dead, and they also believed in fairies and goblins and ghouls, could transport from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. So what they would do, they'd make these fires to try and keep them away and they'd also leave out treats and food to appease the spirits. And just to make sure, especially if you'd done something bad and you'd accept someone that had died, they would dress up and they'd put masks on to make sure that the spirit couldn't find them and get their revenge over these few days. Now, of course, Halloween today doesn't look like that at all, but this is the route where many historians think Halloween came from. It was in the 8th century with Pope Gregory III who saw this Celtic festival and said, we need to sort this out, guys, talking to the church. Let's make an All Saints Day. We'll make it hallowed, which means to make holy. So they took this festival, so in, and they called it All Hallows Day on November 1st. And of course, October 31st is All Hallows Eve. That's Halloween. And what Pope Gregory was hoping to do is to overshadow the Celtic festival with celebrating good godly men and women who'd passed over uh, and died and gone to heaven. But of course, as we see it today, there was this whole mashup of some of that hallowed stuff and some of the sewing stuff that merged together. And during the 19th, uh, 1900s, 1910s, 1920s, the Irish, the Scottish and the Welsh, a lot of them went over to the New World, which we know now as America, and they took sowing over to America with them and they started to harvest and grow pumpkins and they started to carve pumpkins. And when it got to 1932, the first recorded uh, mention of trick-or-treating was seen in the press. So commercialised Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, sowing, it's a big mashup. Uh, a meltdown in the pot, really, of these different things that 1930s America then exploded. And of course, America is completely different, I think, to the UK. Although trick-or-treating is catching on in the UK, if you go to America, it's a whole different ball games. Uh, and I've been, I follow some American pastors who are dressing up in their church this week. They go out trick-or-treating. So there is a bit of a, a culture class there. So that's how we land today with Halloween and uh, how we celebrate here in the UK and in the West. Yes. So for many of us and for many people in our community, without kind of exploring all of that history, which was very helpful. Thank you very much. Um, it's really good to understand the roots of where things come from. But for those people who, who, who don't necessarily look into the history, it is just a bit of fun. And so for us, when we don't um, encourage our children uh, to go and participate in trick-or-treating or we don't or we decide not to go to Halloween parties or decide to put ghosts and goblins on our house, we can be asked, well, why? Because it's just a bit of fun. Now, I don't know about you, but as people, we're pretty deep. And especially as Christian, spirit-filled people, we're pretty deep. And so sometimes we can't just go, well, it's a bit of fun without actually going, but hold on, there's a whole background behind this. There's some rooting in this. I mean, there's a scripture that says, you know, don't give the enemy a foothold. And uh, the scriptures also talk about putting your roots down deep in things that are godly and that are biblical. So I was in Tesco earlier this week and I was just at the checkout and the helpful checkout person said to me and my son, oh, what are you dressing up? for Halloween as and I said um, oh but we don't actually celebrate Halloween 
And, you know, for, in some cultures, this is just straight, black and white. And um, I think it was, it's Ben Lindsay, who I follow, is an author. He's the author of Let's Talk About Race. He's a great writer and speaker. And he, he just says, when he's asked this question, no, I don't celebrate the duppy. And if uh, many of you in... I don't know from yeah, yeah I think it's like um a Jama- I think it's Jamaican slang. Have we got any Jamaicans in the house? Well, you, do you know what duppy means? I had to go Google it, and it basically means it means ghosts and spirits, and it sometimes manifests um, through dead people, through I don't know dead dead spirits manifest through people, or animals, things like that. And it's just black and white. We do not celebrate the duppy. No duppy in our household. No duppy. We celebrate, and I love that. It's straight down the line. But I think in some of our Western cultures. We we're a little bit maybe more naive to the spiritual, maybe because we haven't had very much experience of it. Whereas I know for me, with my, many of you know, I've got a gypsy background where fortune telling was like a massive big thing. My granny was a big fortune teller, a very actually um, successful fortune teller. She told the fortunes of people of the likes of Princess Diana, Tom Jones, people like that, tarot cards, the whole crystal, crystal globes, balls, whatever they are. It was all a big thing in, in, my, in my family. But when my granny got saved, that was it. It was like there was an awareness that this is very spiritual and this is very real. And so when I became a Christian and she got born again, there was a big bonfire and everything was getting burnt, all the tarot cards in, all the Ouija boards, all of that sort of thing. We were having a funeral of this stuff because there was an understanding that this is very real. This is serious stuff. And we have got cultures where, you know, in some areas in the world, like witch doctors are something that's on every other doorstep. It's a big deal. It's a big thing. And so there's a good awareness of, well, there's a lot of awareness about the spiritual, but I think sometimes in our Western cultures, it is, well, it's just a little fun because maybe we are naive to some of this stuff. So when the checkout lady said to me, and I think she was just being polite and helpful, what are you dressing up as for Halloween? And I said, oh no, we don't celebrate it. I was actually a bit challenged by her response because she challenged me back and she went, well, why not? It's just fun. And I was like, got my little boy here. She's holding up the cute to like let challenge me on this and so I'm like well I'm now going to hold up the cue to have to challenge you back on this I was like well you know what we are Christians and in fact me and his dad his his mom and dad are ministers as well and this is just not something that we do and I just want to also challenge the part about fun because we do have fun and so I got out my phone and I was showing the things that we celebrate in church showing her the pictures of our pumpkins and I'm like we do have fun and we do and you know what I think that's really important as well is abstracting I think sorry subtracting abstracting pulling drawing out the things that are fun because as Christians and believers as spiritual beings we're not boring and so what we do at Halloween in our household when around this time of autumn and harvest we do go you know what this is a season to celebrate a lot of stuff I mean more recently Black History Month is now a big thing to be celebrated in our household and so we have a lot of fun we are not short of the festivities and in fact you know we've dressed up today my kids are like I think one was like Dress up as your heroes. One was like Animal Man, <laughs> a self-created hero that Asa made. And uh, one was Batman. And Judah actually came this morning. He was like, I'm a little bit torn because actually he's the Dark Knight. But you know what? No, he goes into the darkness and he is good and he fights the baddies. And I'm like, there you go, Judah. That warrants you being able to dress as Batman. That's okay. And today I'm dressed as a light bulb. Okay. If there's any day, if there's any day... <laughs> But I could go to church dressed really bright. It was this day. And I said to Mike, do you want to dress in black? So we could be like the do of the metaphor for light in the darkness. But he was like, no, I'm not having any of it. I, I've, I've come <laughs> as a 21st century pastor. Oh, so, you know what? Dressing up 
doesn't have to be evil. It, that element is fun. And you know what? My kids aren't going to miss out on that. They're not going to see their friends going, well, why don't I get to do that? Now I want to turn away from the church. No, no, you can dress up. But this is how we do it. We do it in a way that glorifies God. It glorifies goodness. It glorifies and praises his name. And we have a hallelujah day. Hallowed be thy name. And you know what? You can say, but every day should be like that. Yes, it should. But this day, when there is so much darkness being propagated, this is the day we are going to absolutely put Jesus and hallelujah and the light bulb on steroids okay because there is there is a spiritual it's almost spiritual warfare and I think there can be two types of people from my observation that celebrate Halloween those that they actually really believe in it and so they're all hardcore they will be like doing the witchcraft tonight and waiting on the spirits and all of I don't even know what I don't even know all of that stuff and all those realms but it is very real and there's people that are really into it and then I think there's another group of people that it is just a bit of fun they're just dressing up. They're just doing the sweets. And I think there's almost like these two extreme sides. And I think as Christians, I think we're just going to be switched on in this season and just make sure that whatever we're doing, we're doing it to glorify God. And we're having an awareness that this stuff is real. The spiritual world is real. I think that's me. Yeah. And just going back to sort of 21st century Halloween in the UK, I think it's important to to say just because Halloween's been commercialised and it is just a bit of fun doesn't mean it's harmless. Um, because when you dress up as witches and zombies, yeah, yeah, it, it's fun, but everything is rooted in something. And for me, I, I wouldn't let my... I don't know, little boy dress up as an axe murderer because it, I, I just don't think it's something to be celebrated. The, there are things I think that can open doorways. So where do we draw the line? My friends at Halloween, they think it's a bit of fun to, to go into a graveyard and play a Ouija board. Now for me, as a minister, I've met people, I've journeyed with people, I've prayed with people who have really struggled and come out of the occult and have gone through some horrific things. You think horror movies keep you on edge. This stuff happens in real life as well. It's not a, a thing to be messed with. And I know particularly in your family, this, this was a really prevalent thing, you know, Ouija boards and spiritists and medium. Uh, mediumship and even in my family there's there's members of my family who have played with some of this stuff and even generations later uh, are still having weird stuff happen so it is just a bit of fun but there are also I think we need to be really really careful of the route and there's as I was thinking about this and and we were preparing there was these verses that came to, to mind from Ephesians 5 look at this for you were once in darkness Paul says to the church in Ephesus but now you are in the light of the Lord Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, yeah, it's fun, and yeah, you know, it's just one night, but actually, if we want to be children of the light, Paul um, compels us here to act in all goodness. Now, for me, Halloween, even the fun side of it, is flirting with darkness, It may not be a full-on affair with it, but it's flirting with things and things that we don't readily understand much of us. So I think um, the question to ask ourselves, again, going to 1 Corinthians 10, is although it's permissible, is it beneficial? Although it is just one night, although it is just a couple of hours, is this good for me firstly, for my family secondly, and also thirdly, as a witness to other people? Now, Christians, I think, culturally are seen as pushovers, Uh, you know, have it in the pressure, have it all the time. But actually, Christians are people of conviction. And it's these little battles, these tiny things that may seem insignificant, that if we can take a stand now, will stop us having to face, I think, much more difficult things later on. 
I think the war is won in the tiny battles, not the one big battle. So I want to ask you, what are you flirting with? Is it something that pleases the Lord? Because I think in all of our lives, not just at Halloween, we flirt with stuff we should flee from. We allow a little door to open a creek that if we leave it for too long, will flow open through a gale or through a storm. So I think as we journey Halloween, you, you look at your own convictions, your own family, your own way of how you deal with it. Is it beneficial? Is it permissible for you? Although you can do it and you, know, you don't have to put it on social media, you can get away with it. Is it beneficial for your soul, your spirit, and mainly I think your witness as well? Sure. I would say um, as well, this season is creeping into the rest of the month as well, like the commercialisation of things. It's almost becoming as big as Christmas. Um, I mean, the Halloween stuff comes out in the shops really early on and the decorations are coming out a lot earlier. So it might not be that it's just one night as well. It's something that does sort of take over... um, our harvest season and that's something I get a little bit um, passionate about I don't like anything to kind of overshadow some of our good festivities as Christians and some of the things that really glorify God and so I'm really big on harvest and um, I think it's that's why you'll see pumpkins around our church because I get passionate about taking back what it is that I think the enemy has sometimes stolen to glorify his own self and I said a couple of weeks ago we've got pumpkins out because Uh, They are actually, where do they come from first? The Lord's. They are the Lord's pumpkin. And I'm just sick and tired of the enemy taking what is not his to display his splendor, but actually I'm going to take them back and use them to glorify the name of Jesus. And so they're going on our table for harvest and they will stay on for the rest of the season because Halloween is taking over the rest of the season as well. So I'm not putting any margin until the pumpkins go rotting, they will be out. And, um, you know, I remember the first year that I had this conviction to do this. um, I just thought, I really like like pumpkins I really I'm a bit of a sometimes I like to get in my homemaker mood and I was like I like these kind of little images I see on Pinterest and I didn't know until I started exploring the web a little bit more that you can use pumpkins in different ways than just to carve a jack-o'-lantern and people have got flowers coming out of them people make beautiful soups out of them and I was like this is so amazing but I was like really torn because I thought but this is the symbol of Halloween and that's why I began to explore it a little bit and uh, you remember the first year that I brought them out I think you were at work that day yeah (laughs) okay um, so what I want to do is in just these next couple of minutes I just want to help us as just give give us some examples of how we can reclaim the symbols there are a lot of things that are taken from I think that that were given to us by the Lord and sometimes they can be taken to display someone else's glory and so how do we reclaim the symbols and one of the first ones as we've exampled as a church this year is we've reclaimed our pumpkins and there's the story of the pilgrims and the pumpkins it was I think I googled it one year and I I began to learn that it was in the early pilgrimage where they were hungry and there was um, a famine. It was actually the pumpkins and the potatoes and the squashes that they saw as provision from the Lord that actually fed them in that season. And so I'm like, this is a symbol of provision. And so we take that thing back. Another symbol that is everywhere at Halloween is ghosts, ghost sheets and all of the, ooh, all of that stuff is around over Halloween. And I'm like, I'm taking that back too, because we as the church, we have the holy ghost. It was our idea first. And so I'm like, we're going to propagate the holy ghost because you know what, whether ghosts are real or not, I do definitely believe that there are spirits that are not from the Lord, that are not helpful, whether they're in the form of ghosts, I don't really know. Whether you've had encounters, I don't really know. And I'm 
we were watching this morning this past week and they were being in this morning's a TV program in the morning and there were people were being encouraged from the public to phone in and give their testimonies of experiences of, of seeing ghosts and hearing ghosts and I remember watching this week the presenters get really giddy about it and awestruck and like wow is this something that's a gift and I'm like no that is not a gift if you are seeing dead people and hearing dead people that is not good news that is not a gift you want to have and that's you know it's not helpful so I'm not denying that those things are real no I think the opposite they're very real and it's not the kind of ghost that you want to be dabbling with oh no no if you're watching online and you've had some of these experiences it's not something that is going to give you good chills it's not helpful but let me remind us that we have something called the holy ghost and he is ours and he's in our being he's there to walk with us and live with us and guide us and teach us and empower us you see the ghost of Halloween will be there to make you shake and give you chills whereas the ghost of our Holy Spirit our Holy Ghost is there to fill us with fire and warmth and power to empower us that is the kind of ghost that we want to be meddling with and so I love that about the Bible that you know what as Christians we're not prudes no actually we get this stuff and we we really understand it and actually you want to talk about ghosts let's talk about ghosts but let's talk about the one that's going to be helpful for your life so reclaim the ghost and then the third one another example I've got reclaim the blood I see so much blood around Halloween I've seen little girls turn up at my doorstep in princess dresses with blood coming from their mouths and I'm like what is this I'm like I'm gonna have to be quick because you're gonna scare my kids it's too much and uh, you know what? Again, as Christians, we are not offended by blood. In fact, the blood of Christ is everywhere in the Bible. The blood of the Lamb. Like, it, if you want to be scared, go read the Bible. If you want a frill or some, I don't know, a little, little adrenaline rush, go read some of this stuff. I think it was one of our members from our church texted me this past week and was like, if you think about the crucifixion, that is a horror story. Yes, it is. So if you like that stuff, go read the text, the scriptures. And um, I just think, you know what? Blood we've got to claim it back because there is a blood that blood that was shred for us Jesus sacrificed his blood you see vampires they're there to drink and steal blood but Jesus he came and he gave his blood big difference big difference and as the church, we are covered in the blood of Christ. Like we're not being, we're not being all squeamish about this. We love it because it is the whole reason. I mean, our whole testimony and our whole gospel would be different, very different without the blood of the lamb. And um, I was reminded in Exodus where Moses went and told the people, go and get a lamb, put the blood on your door frames and your doorposts as the angel of death was about to come in the ninth plague of Egypt. And you know, I remember seeing it portrayed so well in the cartoon movie, The Prince of Egypt, where the angel of death came. And as soon as it went to a doorpost that was covered in the blood of the lamb, it feared, it ran away. See, your fear doesn't stand a chance when you stand in his love and when you stand drenched in his blood and so as a church we don't need to fear you see my kids they said to me um, they do get scared around this time at the moment we're not in a big battle to encourage our kids not to celebrate Halloween they don't like this stuff naturally it scares them and they're like mom I'm just scared that there is going to ghost come to our house and I was like listen son <laughs> do you not think that in our house the Holy Ghost is big enough to make any ghost run scared they're not going to come past our threshold 
because our doorpost is covered in the blood of Jesus and you are covered in the blood of Jesus. Your families are covered in the blood of Jesus. So we don't have to fear in this season. We also don't need to shy away in this season. We can stand up and proclaim the good news about all this stuff. And the good news doesn't always look pretty. Sometimes it looks like ghosts and blood, but it's the gospel. And so we are very relevant to this season to be a life and to be a voice into this season. So that's just an example of how we can reclaim the symbols. And there's this scripture, it says that no weapon is formed against you. It's in um, Isaiah, no weapon is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness from me, says the Lord. Isaiah 51, 17. So just an example of how we can reclaim the symbols. And you know what? We can do this throughout our life as well. You know, our kids are constantly, and us ourselves, we're constantly watching the media. Media is a massive part now of this generation. What you consume. How do I reclaim the symbols? How do I reclaim what it is that I'm watching? You know, it's just, we can use it throughout our days. I remember when my kids were watching, I think it was when I was in Sunday school once, and we were watching a movie called Mulan. And Mulan was praying to her, her ancestors. And I didn't go, right, let's switch it off I went okay let's pause let's talk about this for a minute who should what is the problem here or what is different here well Mulan's praying to her ancestors well you know what prayer let's reclaim it who do we pray to and instead of just going no don't switch off the telly we go hold on a minute let's learn let's educate let's have a conversation and reclaim what is good about this scene and reclaim it for our life for the good amen very good I thought I thought I was supposed to preach (laughs) that's very good after you. So, so, for, so for us, really, we, we have rethought our whole strategy of, of Halloween, rethinking our strategy. And as Becky said, there was this one Halloween where I'd been at church, been in the office, and I'd come home, and my doorstep was plagued with all of these pumpkins. And um, it wasn't... I had a meltdown, didn't I? I had a meltdown because there was people from our church who lived on our street and walked past our house every day, knew where we lived. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And, and there were, like, older, more traditional people as well. So I'm fretting at home something I'm going to have an inbox full of nasty letters tomorrow morning there was all these pumpkins like sprayed gold and squashes and we went in I think we had a row actually sometimes I go with my ideas without telling Mike first I just get excited and I go and like I forget I forget to take you along (laughs) yeah so so I just went in and and I just had a meltdown as I said I brought brought up in the 90s and noughties as a Christian it was always sort of conditioned in me that you just stay away from any of this stuff um, but it was really helpful because, as I said, we never really talked about it. And we sat down, we had a discussion because Halloween for me has always been a little bit of a traumatic time. Now, I don't really get scared of anything, but send a seven-year-old princess to the door on Halloween trick-or-treating. I'm like, lights off, TV off, freeze. Do not move. Pull the curtains shut, hide under the table. I just don't want the confrontation to have to go and then try and explain to these little children why we don't celebrate Halloween. And it's always like a time of angst in our house, wasn't it? Like trying to keep a two and three-year-old quiet when we hear the door go on Halloween, pulling the shirt curtains shut, turn the lights off, pausing the TV, freezing. And, uh, and we just really had this conviction, didn't we, of reclaiming it. And this has been something that's been happening um, for a, f- a few years now. And as I say, we don't really take our children out trick-or-treating and we never had done but this year we just felt like we wanted to rethink our strategy with how we engage firstly with our children on this subject but also then with trick-or-treaters who do come to our door and you know I remember the first year we we decided we were going to open the door I was like sat next to it breathing into a paper bag ready with our sweets 
Um, But, you know, the conviction for me was as I read the Gospels and I saw Jesus and I read about Jesus, Jesus didn't spend 99% of his time in church community, in the church, in the synagogue. Even his disciples were like the down and outs. Like 90% of Jesus' time was spent with like horrific people, prostitutes, tax collectors, like the scum of the earth for that time. He was out and about in the marketplace, in the bars, in the dirty places, away from the religious elites. And as we were discussing this, this first came to my mind. It's Jesus talking to his followers. He says, you are the light of the world. You're a town on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, straight away, me hiding under the table in the dark with the TV pause trying to keep my children quiet was a complete antithesis of this scripture. And for me, as we were talking, I thought, actually, let's rethink this, reframe this. This is an amazing opportunity to be light and soul in a dark world. Where is light most effective? Light is most effective in darkness. And when we think spiritually, for us as Christians, this time of year is probably the darkest spiritually time of the year. It's a time where we can shine brightest. So this year where we had this conviction and this conversation, we dressed our children up, not as zombies or witches or anything like that. We dressed them up as Buzz and Woody. We got all our pumpkins out on the doorstep. And what we did, instead of waiting for people to come to our door, we uh, got these packs together. We got these Christian books. I don't know if you can see it on camera there called Trick or Tweet. And it's like a, it's a Christian book all about Halloween and trick or treating. We got these Bibles, these kids' Bibles. And I don't know if you can see in one of the pictures there in the middle picture at the top. We made these packs up with Bibles, this trick-or-treat book and sweets. And, and we wait for people to come to the door. Now, really annoyingly, every single Halloween, we'd have loads of people come to the door. This Halloween, no one was coming to the door. So I'm waiting there, like, psyching myself up to confront the six-year-old dressed up as a vampire to give them this, this gift and tell them a little bit about, you know, we just want to bless you. Um, and they weren't coming. They were, I think we had three or four. So what we ended up doing, you see Jude in the top right there, I think he's about three. We went out on the streets to find the trick-or-treaters and just to give them these packs. And it's just a real different way of rethinking the strategy of Halloween because we'd always retreated from it. But actually this obstacle in our house became an amazing opportunity to bless people. See, as Christians, we're called to love. We're called to shine our light. We're called to be salt and light. And actually, we could use our doorstep to give a lecture. And I know a a few Christians like that who will tell off children uh, at the doorstep and tell them how evil it is. But actually, I think our doorstep can much better be used as a lectern. Instead of giving a lecture, we can show them love and light and and goodness. And that's what we've aimed to do every Halloween since. So uh, at home in our kitchen, we've got a big box of Haribo. We've got a big box of squashums. We're going to handwrite this afternoon with our children, just some little cards. We've got some Bibles and we're going to get ready for the trick-or-treaters just to bless them. You see, as I said, I think way back at the beginning, Christians are known for, for what they're against. Primarily in culture, we're known for what we dislike, for for judging, for pushing people away. And we want to flip that on its head and really be known for for what Jesus called us to be. To be people of love, people of light, people of compassion and people who give good things. So we want to reclaim this season, this Halloween season and call it hallowed. Hallowed literally means to make holy. And that's the opportunity we have, I think, in darkness to be a light and to make this season really holy. Amen. Well, I just want to say, 
was good. These packs, these Bible packs as well, they're available at Blazing Glory. There's an incredible um, charity that is, I think it's one of your old Sunday school teachers, actually. One of the great ones, eh? The good ones. <laughs> Who um, do make you feel bad for playing Pokemon. But they, give the, they make these Blazing Glory packs and they have all these literature magazines and little toys inside of them. They do them absolutely free. They think they just ask you to pay for the postage and packaging. But the, the, the aim is that they are going to children that are not believers see if they're Christians you have to give a donation but um, they're really really good quality they're the packs that we used over Christmas last year and what we will do and put someone please minute this what we'll do for next year is we'll actually make sure we get a batch ordered into the church so that you can come on this day and you can pick some packs up and take them home with you does that sound like an idea amen listen if you are people that like to shut the doors, shut the windows, absolutely do what it is that God calls you to do, okay? If, you, if your children have flown the nest or maybe you haven't got kids and you, know, you have the luxury of just having a cosy candlelit night in, then do you, okay? So maybe some of you just want to go in your prayer closet. We need the power, so go and do that. So whatever it is that God's calling you to do, and we think we've just committed that we'll take it season by season and year by year to ask God how should we approach it this year because we know as seasons change, we may change. And you know, tonight I'm actually leaving them to it because I've got book club with the ladies tonight, okay, at 7 p.m. So you can keep going off if you want to answer the door, but I'll be at book club tonight, don't you worry. But I really liked there how you'd actually be very specific about your sweets, your Harry Bows and your squashums. You really got into it. This the quality year. stuff. The quality no, that's stuff. brilliant. Okay, how are we ending? Good way to end. We're going to pray and we hope, you know what, we pray and we hope that this has been helpful to you and we hope that it, you know, there's our, there's our butternut squash. I make a mean butternut squash soup for anyone that's interested. But worship team, you can start to come back to help us out. We hope that this has inspired you, encouraged you, maybe challenged you, maybe just encouraged you, invited you to ask more questions or just to ask God, how should I approach this? Maybe you just feel really secure about what it is that God has called you to do. And I think our aim today was to make sure that as Christians and as the church, we feel empowered in this season, not fearful, mm. not ill-equipped, yes. not like we're just the killjoys, but that, you know what, we're the people of God and there is an enormous amount of fun to do with that and power to do with that. So let's pray. Um, just let's stand to our feet. And if you're watching at home, you can just lean forward or stand to your feet, whatever you feel is appropriate right where you're sitting. But Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Hallowed be your name. Yes. Lord, we want to lift you high on this day. Lord, we want to praise your name. We say hallelujah to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I pray right now, Jesus, that, you know, as we honour you, because you are the light in the darkness, Lord, I pray that as your church and as your people, you would help us to also be the light of the world. Lord, help us not to hide our light, but Lord, Give us divine opportunities to share your light and be the light, particularly on this evening. Be a light in the darkness. God, we thank you for your Holy Ghost. Would you come and meet us? Would you fill us up afresh to overflowing? Would you come and fill our homes? Let there be no fear in our households. And Lord, with the blood, just cover us all right now so that we feel completely protected and completely empowered by your name. In Jesus' name, we say, hallowed be your name. Amen. Amen.